Do you know why I brought up Friends today? Yeah, because there's a reunion show. I, yeah. I'm not. I don't know. I'm. I'm. You didn't see an it. episode. <laughs> I, I. And I still won't. But I. <laughs> I live on the internet, so you know. I, I know. I know that it's happening. Yeah. I just don't care that it's happening. <laughs> Is your recording setup normal today? Yes, it's always normal. It's, it never changes. Well, I don't know. I can't tell. Um, I have. There's like a buzz. But I don't know if it's on my end or your end. Uh, well, I gone. don't hear anything different. Did you just on change anything? Your end? No, I didn't. It's completely gone the moment I brought it up. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> sure, sure, it's not in your day. Bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> To it's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, the podcast brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, or on Twitter at SI Chiefs. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at Real Bird Lawyer. Here with me, as always, my main man, my number one flame, Taylor Witt. You can find him on Twitter at <laughs> Taylor Witt. Wait, wait, Taylor underscore Witt. That's right. Taylor, what's going on? I'm a little nostalgic today. I know you were not a fan of the show or didn't watch the show, but I watched the Friends reunion special and it was fantastic. And I was thinking back to all my 90s TV memories and it was good stuff. I'm ready to ready to transition into hard hitting football talk and less mushy sitcom talk. I'm glad that you uh, were nostalgic for a show about people in their 20s and 30s that you watched when you were seven which is a little bit weird to me. I know that a lot of people have watched that show. I've never seen an episode of Friends ever. Come at me on Twitter. That's fine. Tell me how weird I am, but it's fine. You guys are the weird ones. We've got a great show planned for you guys today. First, the news. First week of OTAs. The Chiefs were out there doing their organized team activities. Julio Jones is still on the trade block. Uh, got a little cap stuff to talk about and then we're going to do a mailbag episode because there's not that much news this week so that's going to be the brunt of the episode thanks to everybody who contributed we will of course shout you out when we get to that segment but first taylor the news 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 so first off the top of the list here the chiefs conducted otas this week organized team activities they got out on the field they put on some pads they did some stuff it's not a little. It's not entirely clear, I should say, what exactly all they're doing because a lot of it is close to the media. We get some vague, you know, shots, some some little hype videos, mm. some hype clips, some mm. some pictures from the side. We get a little taste. We got a little little taste of Patrick Mahomes back out there on the field, slinging the ball around to his boys. And I guess that's the first takeaway from this: Patrick Mahomes in OTAs a full go. He obviously had surgery right after the Super Bowl on his toe but it's doing well. He got out there. He put in three full days of work. He was not present at practice today or two full days of work. I should say Monday and two or Tuesday and Wednesday. He was not out there on Thursday because he's flying to Hawaii to play in a charity golf tournament, but he was there on Tuesday. He practiced. He flew to Los Angeles in his private jet that night to watch the Clippers play the Mavericks in the NBA playoffs. That game ended at like midnight central time. And then he flew back and the Chiefs tweeted out a picture of him on the practice field in uniform, throwing the football around at like nine o'clock central time. 
on Wednesday like morning. Two so, hours I mean, of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know about work. I don't know about you, but when Patrick Mahomes is out on a football field throwing to Chiefs players, mm-hmm. even if I'm not directly watching it, if I'm aware that it's happening, I just have an extra pep in my step. I, I, I wake up, I, I, you know, the sun is shining, even when it's been raining for two weeks straight. And, and I just feel invigorated. It's like, that's, that's how life should feel is Patrick Mahomes throwing footballs to chiefs players. One million percent. Correct. And I, it's one of those things where you don't, at least for me, like I now have at least the, the first off season, you know, we got the taste. He was, playing in week 17 against the Broncos. He wins mm-hmm. his first national football league start. Talk to him. And Alex Smith is traded and the hype and the anticipation that summer was just off the hook. <laughs> yeah. Every single day, like every scrap of Pat news. And then after he went out and won the MVP in his first season, starting and took the chiefs to the brink of the super bowl, it was even worse. And now I've gotten to the point where I've accepted that Patrick Mahomes is the truth. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't necessarily feel that same sense of anticipation because I know how awesome he is and how awesome it will be when we see him playing football again. Yeah. But the feeling that I had this morning when, or yesterday morning when I saw that video of him out on the practice field was just like, Oh my gosh, I've missed this so much mm. just in the, the three months since the Super Bowl where we haven't seen him on the field throwing the football. And maybe it's because of how the Super Bowl ended, you know, like I haven't been, I haven't been out there consuming football content and Chiefs content in the same way that I did after the Super Bowl in 2020. Certainly. But he's back out on the field. He looks great. He's a full go. His toe is doing great. So we're excited about that. Um, also, some news in OTAs. We uh, we reported, or I should say I reported, I reported a Tyron Matthew deleted tweet a couple of weeks ago that shook things up where he said he didn't think that he was likely to get a contract from the Chiefs. It happens. He's been through it before. He was asked about that because he was available to the media today. And he said, I quote, I delete a lot of tweets. <laughs> he basically said that his tweet about not getting an extension was not a big deal because he tweets a lot of things and deletes a lot of things. He was frustrated when he tweeted that. He said it's normal for a player in the negotiation process to feel frustrated and to say things and do things. So this was not really a huge surprise because we talked about this when we broke this story and discussed it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this is just kind of who Tyron is, you know? Yeah. He, he puts stuff out there. He uh, tweets his feelings and then he deletes his feelings from the internet, but people screen grab it. And I, I don't know. It was kind of a little bit of a, a goofball thing. Cause like, come on, you tweeted it for a reason. I get it. You know, just own up to it, but here I- we are. I do think it would have been maybe a bigger deal if this was like the first time he had popped off on Twitter. Like if he had, you know, if this was like the first time we were like, Oh, that's how Tyron feels. Then like maybe everyone would have kind of, but like at this point, Tyron says some dumb shit, he deletes it. And then everyone kind of moves on with their lives. And and that's how, that's what he admitted. I delete a lot of tweets, you know, he's like, that's just kind of my game. I'm going to go on there. I'm going to say, shut up, bitch to someone. And then it's going to become one of the most screenshotted tweets of all time. Like that's just kind of what I do. So um, I'm super just enthused and, and positive on hearing that, you know, things are seem to be moving in the right direction on that front. Yeah. I mean, the, the takeaway from that is that there is a negotiation going on. They're talking, they're, they're having conversations. And so, 
you know, for him to put that out there, like, hey, you know, this is the reason why I felt that, like, we are kind of negotiating a new deal. I want to have a new deal. I want to stay in Kansas City. But also, you know, to say, like, hey, I was frustrated when I tweeted that. But then to walk it back, you know, I mean, it's not like he came out and doubled down on it. Right. He's not doing an Aaron Rodgers media tour where he's <laughs> right, like right. going on the Pat McAfee show and saying, or fuck those guys, Kenny Mayne <laughs> and saying like, oh, well, it's about the people and everybody in the organization is great except for the front office. You know, like <laughs> he's not specifically calling people out. He's not doing that diva shit. I mean, this is still diva-ish behavior but uh, you know it's it's all within the normal boundaries of what you get from Tyron Matthew off the field yeah what'd you think about his answer when they asked him what he thinks about real bird lawyer oh what no that didn't happen (laughs) can you imagine oh my god I mean Uh. I can't and I'm I'm glad our uh, our overlord Josh Briscoe when he saw me tweet this out a couple weeks ago DM me and said he was going to write a story about it. And he said, I hope I don't get yelled at. And I was like, all right, well, I hope I don't get yelled at either. I, um, I love Tyron. I wish that, you know, he would just let us do our jobs as reporters or members of the media or whatever it is that whatever, whatever space we inhabit in chief's kingdom. Um, yeah, just, just leave us alone. Tyron, you know, do your thing, delete your tweets. It is what it is. Um, Nate Taylor, another member of the chief's media, he reported that Tyron Matthew wants a new deal and that it could happen, quote, around training camp. So, you know, that's the first piece of real reporting that not that a deal is is imminent or, you know, necessarily going to happen, but that it could happen. And, and the first time that we've really gotten a timeline of, you know, this is when the Chiefs maybe are looking to make this happen. Yeah, it was uh... – it's positive. It's all, you know, to know that Matthew wants it and to know that the chiefs want it really at the end of the day, I have no doubt that they're going to make it work. If both sides want it to happen, they'll figure it out. And yeah, there's going to be some negotiating on what the number is going to look like, but it's going to save the chiefs some cap numbers uh, in 2021. And it's going to, you know, lock up a perennial pro bowler that the chiefs have. I mean, honestly, like the identity of the defense went turned 180 degrees the moment honey badger walked into the building and and the cultural impact that he's had on the team has been as important as his extremely impactful defensive presence and it's just he's he's not the type of guy that you let walk he's just not and sure he's on a little little bit of the downslope as far as his age goes but I mean, hell, the the Chiefs would catch more flack for not bringing him back than they would for bringing him back and it not working out super well. So, I mean, I I love I love that they're negotiating with him, and I'm I'm hoping that we're going to hear some positive news coming up. Speaking of news, maybe positive, maybe not. Tyron Matthew did praise Bashad Breland, said that he would like to have him come back, but Bashad Breland's been tweeting himself. Yeah, he's, tweeting through he's it. Been putting, he's been putting some tweets out there, and he's also been taking some visits. With other teams, he has visited the Vikings. There also has been a report that the Bears are interested in signing Bashad Breland. There's not much to say here. We've talked about it. I mean, several times on the podcast, and I, I've seen I've seen these takes getting picked up mm-hmm. in Chiefs Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, it sucks that Bashad Breland's never gotten a long term deal. I've seen a lot of people kind of bemoaning that fact. It's just been bad timing. It's bad luck for the guy. You know, he had a mega deal. It fell through because of his injury, and he just has not, despite good play you know, with, uh, with some sub subsequent injuries and just obviously things with the pandemic, everything like that. He just has never been able to get that big deal and he probably isn't going to get it this year. 
love for the Chiefs to bring him back. We've talked about that before in the show. We're just going to have to see what happens there. But yeah. lay off, Vikings. Lay off, Bears. Get out of here. He's ours. <laughs> He also does have a pick in a Super Bowl win. So, like, of all the, you know, the ways that things have maybe gone bad for Breland on the negotiating front, he's still had a great career, especially recently. And I do think that, you know, he's probably not ever going to get a deal that he could have gotten several years ago. That's not really in the cards for him. It's just not based on his age, based on, you know, the way the contracts have laid out so far. But if he can walk away from the game with a mega impact in a Super Bowl victory for the Chiefs, um, I think he'll be able to sleep at night. For sure. And another guy that's still out there, still on the market, Julio Jones. You've been banging this drum for weeks now. I have. Since our last show, he went on with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless, and it's unclear exactly how this went down, but (laughs) Shannon Sharp called him. He was being recorded. Did he know he was being recorded? Probably, but he sort of made it seem like it was just sort of casual conversation. He was asked about the Falcons. He said, I'm out of there. That obviously created some buzz. He also said he didn't want to go to the Cowboys because he wants to win. That was hilarious. Just sort of a a, a knife in the hearts of Cowboys fans for no reason. I mean, just like kind of casually. They caught a stray. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, Diana Rossini reported this morning that he is likely to be moved, expected to be moved maybe even within the next week. It's, May 27th that we're recording this, the post-June 1st date is the one that matters for the salary cap, so that would be June 2nd, which is kind of random. They literally mean post-June 1st. Like, it's yeah. post-June 1 means, you know, 12.01 on June 2. It's it's very strange. It's a strange mm-hmm. phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But in any case, we're looking here in the next week, supposedly, could be a deal uh, for Julio Jones. And she also reported this morning that they're – supposedly is an offer on the table that contains a future first round pick. Now that could mean a lot of different things. It could be a 2022 first round pick. It could be a 2024 first round pick. I think they let you trade three years out. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the Rams could be involved. They've Hmm. got a 2024 first round pick, I think. Um, What do you think about this situation, Taylor? Where are you at with your Julio Jones lust? Well, uh, I want to hit first that, my initial reaction to the Shannon Sharp video was that Shannon did him dirty. And now thinking more about the situation and more about how savvy Julio probably is with everything. I'm, I'm now pretty much in on the team, like that he knew exactly what he was doing. And all I, I think that the, the compensation is really interesting because of the couple different profiles about Julio that we've talked about both his age, his cap number and his, uh, I hesitate to say injury history because people are talking about him like he's Sammy Watkins. He's not. He missed four games in the six previous seasons before last year. And then he had a hamstring that just he couldn't couldn't get through. And he kept missing games because of the same issue, because of the same hamstring. So, like, I don't know. I think that um, Julio is a Hall of Famer and he's one of the he's basically the most productive wide receiver since 2014 in the NFL. And he's literally one of the most productive wide receivers ever, ever on he a has per the, game basis. I he think has he the highest yeah. 95.5 yards per game, which yeah. is the highest in NFL history. I mean, he has been the entire Atlanta offense for going on six or seven years. And yeah. he would, the difference in the chiefs offense between Julio and no Julio is massive. And, and they're already a great offense. They're already a, you know, if, if not the top offense in the NFL, then a top three offense bare minimum, but you're not just going for like best this year with this team. 
you have hall of famers at the quarterback tight end and wide receiver position, and probably one or two spots along the line at this point. And the chiefs need to cash in and they need to push all their chips in the middle and become the best team that anyone's ever heard of. And they do that by getting Julio Jones. And I've, like you said, I've been banging this drum for a while now. I think the, the risk is absolutely worth the potential reward here. And I just hope that, you know, the chiefs are in an interesting bidding position for Julio because they're an AFC team and they're wizards with the cap. They have, you know, if they, if they do extend Tyron, then they've got plenty of cap room and they have what I would consider to be a need at wide receiver. And they're, they're just, they're set up for this. Oh, and their, their first round pick would be a late first rounder, which gives Atlanta the kind of the, the out of saying we got a first for him. We, we flipped Muhammad Sanu to the Patriots for a second, a couple years ago, we can't get less than a second for Julio. And so if the chiefs are going to give us a first, we can tell everyone we got a first, but the chiefs are giving up the 32nd pick if they get Julio Jones. So like, I, I think it's a good marriage. I'm frustrated that I haven't seen more smoke with the chiefs and Julio. Uh, and I'm hoping that picks up here. You're going to be disappointed, buddy. But if you're not, man, it's going to be fun. One final note with respect to the news, and this kind of ties into the Julio Jones situation. We did get some more information on the 2022 salary cap today. The cap ceiling for 2022 is going to be $208 million. The cap this year is $185 million. So we're talking about a cap ceiling. That means that's the highest that it could possibly be. It could Mm -hmm. be lower than that. Depends on revenues. It depends on how much money the NFL makes, which is going to be a lot. Let's be honest, especially since they're expecting all the stadiums to be at capacity again this year. Yep. Um, and and frankly, I mean, some of these drag teams, you know, the Jets, the Jaguars, those teams have some some hype. You know, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Zach Wilson, new quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, a bumper quarterback crop coming in this year. You know, Justin Fields. Um, three, you know, three quarterbacks at the top of the first round, five total in the first round. I mean, there's a lot of hype. And of course, coming off the pandemic season where, you know, a lot of stadiums were completely empty or at at a fraction of their normal capacity. I think this season is going to be huge. People are hungry. If they are, they're hungry. They're hungry for football. And if the cap goes all the way up to the ceiling of $208 million, we're talking about a 14% increase from where we would expect it to be. Like this would be a big jump. And for a team like the chiefs that obviously has a lot of elite players signed to, I mean, fair deals, Mm -hmm. none of them have really signed below market contracts, but we've talked about this before for the chiefs to already have these players under contract. They're good players. Like if the cap goes up, you have to spend that money on something. And you would prefer to be spending it on the best players in the game rather than be spending it on, you know, because when these other players, the class of 2022 hits free agency, the 2022 free agent class, if the cap goes all the way up to $208 million, we're going to see guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's on a one-year deal and whom I like, but he's going to be getting 18, 19, $20 million a year because that's what he's going to ask for because, Hey, the caps, you know, 14% higher it's gone up. I want 14% more salary. You know, you pay me this amount of money. Well, the chiefs already have so many good to great players locked up that if the cap goes up like this, they just get keep those players and they don't have to go through some of the growing pains that every other casual fan 
of the NFL for every other team has been predicting for years. Yeah, yeah for sure. You know, like, oh, this will catch up to the Chiefs eventually. Maybe uh-huh. it won't. Uh-huh. The cap goes up to $208 million next year. It might not ever catch up to the Chiefs. Like, I, I think they will be in a position to be able to negotiate the potential issues they have. I mean, the roster's top heavy. We've talked about it. There definitely are a couple of guys on the team, Frank Clark, that are getting paid more than they're worth in terms of their on-field production. But for the most part, they have stars that are getting paid like stars and producing like stars. Yep. And as long as the cap keeps going up, there's no reason why they can't continue to add and retain star players and star talent. And that would include Julio Jones. And let's not forget that we've kind of hammered this point home several times, but it's almost like the Chiefs exactly anticipated this scenario. It's almost like they have their finger on the pulse of the NFL's salary cap situation long before these other teams did. Of course, we're talking about Clark Hunt being the chairman of the finance committee and just, you know, the chiefs have always had a plan. They've always, always had a plan. They've never been shooting from the hip with any of these deals. They, they just have such a good cap team in place led by Brant Tillis, but everybody involved obviously knows what they're doing. And it just feels like the salary cap is this boogeyman for 31 teams where like, Oh, we can't trade for Julio. He costs $15 million. That's a salary cap thing. And Oh, we, you know, we're, we're cash strapped. So we got to cut guys and we got to, you know, we've seen a lot of free agents cut so far this off season. And the only ones that the chiefs cut were injury situations and not really cap situations. And it just, it's really nice when the chiefs have an advantage, not only on the football field, not only in the coaching position not only in the gm position with signing players just everything they they just have an advantage in every aspect of being an nfl team and it's it's a little surreal but obviously we're into it it's gonna be fun taylor and that's it that's it for the news that's that's all the news that happened in the nfl this week so you want to get into this mailbag mailbag so we got a lot of action this week we let the people know that you know we were a little light on um, on content as you heard and so we got oh something like 30 plus questions so we're gonna we're just kind of get to them all we're gonna go through them and uh, let you guys know our first one comes from asap brad at Severn 58 that is a first time mailbag question so we appreciate you listening brad and he asked us how awesome is julio going to be in this offense so clearly we've been talking about this um i i touched on it a little bit in that last segment but To be able to replace the wide receiver two in this offense, which is on target right now to be McCole Hardman with a guy that is massive and that can get 50, 50 balls and that makes some of the most spectacular wide receiver catches of anybody in the league to get that guy on the other end with, of Tyreek Hill on this offense with Travis Kelsey in the middle and Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball and a rebuilt offensive line. It's, it's better than most pro bowl team offenses that I can remember it's it's stupid and it's special and it would be it would be game breaking I honestly I said this since the day Julio kind of became available that if the Chiefs get him look they're going 20 and 0 and I'd put a lot of money on that they just they would be a matchup nightmare yeah I mean they would be they would be unstoppable I I just um you think about how how dynamic the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense was last year at the end of last year with Mm -hmm. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, a shell of Rob Gronkowski and a shell of Antonio Brown Mm -hmm. and a couple of other pieces here and there and a good offensive line. 
and a quarterback who was 43 years old. And that was a good offense. It was one of the better offenses in the NFL towards the end of the season. Think about the, the skill players that the Chiefs would have. Travis Kelsey, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This rebuilt offensive line and the best quarterback of all time, Patrick Mahomes. It, it would be Correct. silly. Um, we've got a trio of questions here from Adam Weiberg, who I don't think has written into the show. So welcome. He gave us three. I'm going to take the first two. I'll let you take the last one. This is okay. at How Mountain is his his at. When are we getting a crossover with Seth? And why is Jamal Charles a Hall of Famer? Uh, the people demand Seth Kaiser appear on this podcast. Our people are talking to Seth's people. Uh, Seth and I prosecutorial uh, brothers in arms and uh, fellow Chiefs fans, fellow lawyers. So we definitely are going to try and have Seth on the show at some point. Our people are talking to his people. We'll make it happen. And I'm sure that it would be a great question for Seth to answer because he just did a great piece on Jamal Charles and why he's a Hall of Famer. So uh, maybe we'll get Seth to answer that question at some point in the not too distant future. He has a lot going on, as you guys know, but we're going to try and make it happen. Uh, Second question from Adam. What would it take for the Chargers to be favorites to win the West this year? Well, if you talk to anyone in <laughs> the news media, yeah, they already are. But we know that they are not. Vegas knows that they are not. I think realistically, for them to be favorites to win the West, it would have to be either a season-ending season injury to Mahomes or like a virtually season-ending injury to Mahomes. Like he's going to be out yeah. for two months or something like that. Or something like season ending injuries or month long multi-month injuries to multiple other pieces. Like, you know, like if Tyreek and Travis Kelsey both got hurt for multiple months, if, you know, Jones and Tyra Matthew or Jones and Frank Clark or, you know, Hill and Orlando Brown, you know, any combination of those other guys, I mean, a non quarterback injury is not going to move the odds that much. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes being hurt would change things dramatically. But we also know that the Chargers being Chargers are probably going to have their own share of (laughs) horrific season ending injuries for sure coming up in about three days (laughs) since since we're one week into OTAs at the start, the countdown for, you know, the first horrific season ending injury for the Chargers. It's bound to happen. It's coming. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Right. And then the third question that Adam asked was, is this the year Mahomes has a Madden-esque stat line given the extra game? So odds he gets 60 touchdowns and 6,000 passing yards. So I predicted monster statistical years before both 2019 and 2020. Um, 19 had the injury blip and 20, you know, he had a good year, but it wasn't the 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. Um, At this point, as a fan, I'm kind of concentrating on chasing rings at the moment for my kind of bullish predictions on the chiefs. He could, and he might, and he probably will go completely nuts, but um, I'm just done predicting it. If it happens, I'm going to enjoy it. And if it doesn't, everything's still peachy. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the issue with, you know, I think we've got another question about kind of going back to the 2018 offense. The problem is that defense is better than it used to be. And the chiefs don't have to score. 45 points to win these games Mm -hmm. and it's just not really how Andy Reid is wired although we've talked about this before there's always the possibility that he gets a little he gets a little salty in his old age and starts running up the score on people and frankly after what happened in the Super Bowl I don't know that that might have 
that might have hurt Andy a little bit. It certainly hurt us. So we'll see. We've got a question here from Arrowhead First at Arrowhead First, a longtime Twitter uh, interactee of the podcast. And we've been following him and engaging with him for quite some time. So we appreciate the question. Possible trade targets not named Julio Jones. So this is an interesting question. The two big names in the trade market right now are Julio and Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, the Chiefs aren't going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully, nobody's going to trade for Aaron Rodgers and he's going to stay where he is or he's going to retire. We don't need him in the division. But um, I don't think there's a lot of other obvious names out there that are getting a lot of trade buzz that haven't already been moved or cut. But when I'm thinking about what kind of guys I would like to see the Chiefs target in trades and We'll see maybe more action on this when we get closer to cutdowns in uh, training camp. They actually moved the cutdown deadline for the the final cuts. I think they moved it up about a week um, or they moved it a little bit earlier. Um, just announced that last week. But uh, to me, I'm looking at, at guys that are kind of crowded at the end of, you know, crowded depth charts and maybe don't have a role for the team that they're currently on. We don't want, unless it's an elite player like Julio, to be taking on a ton of extra salary. Uh, don't really have the ability to just absorb contracts to, you know, kind of take on mediocre players with big deals that other teams are trying to unload. We don't really have the ability to do that. So I'm thinking more guys like wide receivers that are maybe crowded in a wide receiver room and a couple of names specifically that stand out to me, which coincidentally are both stashes at the very end of my dynasty roster bench. (laughs) Number one, John Ross, Mm -hmm. a former top 10 pick at wide receiver drafted ahead of Patrick Mahomes but he had the NFL and I think still does have the NFL combine record for a wide receiver for fastest 40 time in the 40 yard dash ever. I think he would ran like a 4.22. Mm-hmm. John Ross is on the New York giants and they added Kenny Galladay in free agency. And they went out and drafted a wide receiver Kadarius Tony in the first round. They've got Sterling Shepard there. They've got some other wide receivers there. They've got a pretty crowded wide receiver room. So he's a guy that, I don't know, I I would kick the tires there, see if we could throw that speed in. Another guy that's kind of in that same mold, not quite as fast and not quite as, I mean, I don't want to say not quite as much NFL success because John Ross hasn't really hasn't had any NFL success. He did have like a two week stretch or a three week stretch, like at the start of two years, 19. Yeah. Two years ago where he was pretty good. I had a great game against the Seahawks in like week two. Yep. Never done anything else since Andy Isabella is the other guy that's kind of on, on my list. Uh, he was a second round pick for the Cardinals a couple years ago. And they since have drafted like eight more wide receivers and they traded for, you know, Deandre Hopkins and he hasn't really cracked the rotation there. Yeah. He's really more of a speed guy and the chiefs don't really need any more speed guys, but they're always good to have. And, you know, he's a guy that's very fast, ran like a four, three, you know, guy that can take the top off of defenses. I don't know. I, I don't think he would cost very much. Um, and then maybe somebody like Kiki UT uh, for the Texans, who was a teammate, I believe, of, of Pat. Yes. Was he not? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. So uh, he's a guy that was, I think, a fourth round pick of the Texans and, you know, more of a slot guy. Not that the Chiefs necessarily need that. They really could probably use another bigger body. But he's a guy that hasn't really cracked the rotation much for the Texans. And they've added, I mean, not necessarily good wide receivers but they've added a lot of wide receivers so you know he's a guy that could be available so those would be three names for me all wide receivers all guys that are kind of in crowded rooms so i'd uh, i'd maybe take a look at those three guys yep i like it our next question is from derek at password is taco he is a bird of war Ka-ka! Ka-ka! and derek asked who is your most hated chiefs player 
of all time. Oh. Um, so at first, you know, my my first gut feeling here was Orlando Skandrick. Mm-hmm. And he sucked on the field. He dropped a game-winning interception, uh, maybe two of them. And also, he was a total asshole when he left the team, went on Skip and Shannon's show, Skip. And he was talking about, like, you know, just – he just talked a bunch of shit on the chiefs. I don't even yep. remember because I kind of rage quit as soon as he started talking, but Orlando Skandrick sucks and he's bad at football. And I, he didn't have really any good memories for the chiefs anyway. So he was my first instinct. There were a couple that were brought up on Twitter that um, I would understand who is yours. Well, I don't really hate a lot of former yeah, chiefs players. Me too. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to summon really strong feelings about somebody like Orlando Skandrick because he wasn't on the team for very long and he was bad. And I agree with you. Like he has a lot of characteristics of a player that I, I would like to hate um, in that he was bad when he played for us. (laughs) And then he left the team and he shat on the team when he left and basically blamed the team for him being bad, even though he's the one who's bad. We know he's bad because he's bad everywhere. He's been bad (laughs) since he was on the chiefs. I think he went to the Eagles and he was bad there. And then I think he badmouthed the Eagles as well. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he sucks. Uh, a guy in that similar mold, I don't know if I would say that I, he's my most hated Chiefs player ever, but Steven Nelson is kind of in that same mold. Yep. And he was on the team longer. Now, he was also a better player than Skandrick. If you believe PFF grading, he was like a top 20 cornerback at one point. I don't know if I necessarily buy that, but I will never forget after he was not released, but after he was, he was sent into free agency and the chiefs decided not to retain him, you know, Mitch, Mitch Holtis, who was very diplomatic and, yeah. and really never calls players out no. um, in a negative way. But I remember he went on, I think it was Keatsman's show back when Keatsman still had a show. RIP. And yeah, right. I mean, he's coming back. He's got a podcast. He's trying to break into the podcast game, but anyway, um, <laughs> I remember Mitch was on Keatsman's show and said, you know, what isn't coaching, you know, look at the ball. Like when the ball's in the air, turn around and make a play. (laughs) That's That's, that has nothing to do with the scheme. You know, like you need to play better essentially. Um, And he's also obviously famously roasted the chiefs since leaving the team. Uh, You know, the, the Steelers tweets, you know, best team I've ever been on no cap, et cetera. That team went like eight and eight. Uh, Yeah. He sucks. And he's currently a free agent. He's still on the market. Nobody's, Nobody's kicking the tires on him. A former top 20 cornerback by PFF's grading. I I don't know. That's a strange situation. Uh, He would be in contention for sure. Uh, Got one. Oh, go ahead. Real quick. People did mention Lynn Elliott. Oh, and, and that's more of a, I have no problem with Lynn Elliott, the dude, but like, if you single-handedly lose a playoff yeah. game against the Broncos, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're probably or was that the Colts game? I think that was Colts. That was the Colts. But either yeah, way, it was the Colts, yeah. uh, either way, that was a good um, good candidate, I would say. Yeah, for Chiefs fans of a of a certain generation, and Lynn Elliott is a little bit before my time. I mean, that would have been when I was ten. Mm-hmm. So certainly, I mean, we've talked about this before. I was not a huge Chiefs fan when I was ten years old, but a lot of people, for a lot of people, that was a boy. I mean. I can't imagine. And, I, and, you know, I we didn't get any specific uh, mentions for it, but D Ford is another guy that, yeah. like, if yeah. you wanted to hate D Ford because he was offsides on one play, right? fine. I mean, it cost the Chiefs a trip <laughs> to the Super Bowl. So, like, that's that's fair. Yeah. You know, why why Charlie hate? That's good reason. <laughs> uh, we've got 
a pair of questions here from Chief Justin O, formerly known as Justin Rorell. At Chief Justin O, he was tired of me mispronouncing his name, I think, so he changed his name on Twitter. Would you rather have your name tattooed on your head or have no teeth? Both would be permanent in this scenario. For me, this is an easy one. I don't know about you. I would for sure rather have my name tattooed on my head. I just, um, number one, I, I mean, that would be weird. It would be weird in a professional setting, but like, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I'd much rather have people think like god that guy's a weirdo he got his name tattooed on his head then not have any teeth like it would i wouldn't be able to eat any of the things that i like and i don't know i it, it would be permanent it's fine i could like i probably could wear a hat you know to cover sure. up part of my forehead it just seems like it would be much more it would be much less of a hindrance to me than not having teeth with. i felt like if you could cheat and have dentures you know, like uh, you don't have real teeth, yeah. but you could put fake teeth in there. We're That's probably the to, way to we're go. I was trying to avoid these. <laughs> yeah. But if it's like you have to walk around and like gum your way through life and be like, hey, my name. I mean, it's it's way more of a of a life changing thing to have no teeth. So, yeah, I agree okay. with you. If it was a if it was a complete absent, then I would go with tattoo on my forehead. His second question was, would you rather clog the toilet on a first date? or a first day on the job. So Justin, first of all, we appreciate your two um, very pointed uh, questions here. Those are great. I said the job first day on the job by a mile. I mean, I don't really care what most of the people at my job think of me, certainly not as much as I would on a first date and they'll get over it. They'll, you know, I just, I, I feel like that's an easy one. I, I don't know. This one actually, to me, it depends on what the toilet situation is, right? Like, <laughs> so like if I'm going to be at somebody's house uh-huh. and I'm on a first date and I'm going to clog their personal toilet, yeah, that would be a bad situation. But like, if we're like out at a restaurant or something like that, they're not ever even going to know. Oh, like, yeah, they've got to know. Like, I if feel you're like literally, that's part but of the... like, if you're on a first date, like to me, that you know suggests that you're like, I mean, out. you're out somewhere, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe neutral parties. Is- Maybe it progresses nicely and you end up, you know, back at the place. But like, you know, like if I go out and close a uh, clog a toilet in a restroom and I'm out with a, a lady of the opposite <laughs> sex, she's probably not going in there anyway. No, so she's probably not. not a big deal. And, you know, <laughs> with That's respect great. to with respect to a job, you know, like um, I mean, I work in an office environment currently where there is one you know, toilet that can't be clogged yet. There's there's one bathroom and it has one stall, which for an office of like, I don't know, there's probably like. 50 60 70 people that work in this office 50 people have one toilet dude i mean there's more toilets in the courthouse it's fine the office is in the courthouse so like you can go and use courthouse bathrooms that are outside security you know okay if you want to if you want to risk it getting shanked in the bathroom by an angry (laughs) defendant you know yeah 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 yeah, it's a little bit uh, tougher now that we're back to in-person court appearances as well but you know like i mean they're there unless there's somebody in there and they like catch me doing it and then they blab to everybody i don't know okay I don't, I, well, it kind of depends on the situation. I would say that if you got around the first date as she would never find out that on the, in the first day of your job, you could just be teleworking and just clog your own home toilet and they'd never find out. Yeah, so I mean, sure. I mean they've got to find, they've got to find out. That's, that's what he was going for. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're going with, they're going to find out for sure, then yeah, yeah I agree. It's definitely <laughs> first day on the job. Um, we've got one here from Bob long at Bob Lee long. I don't think that we've no. heard from Bob long before. So Hi, welcome Bob. to the show, Bob. We appreciate the question. Better long-term play. Matthew extension or let him walk after the season. So this one to me kind of depends on how long the extension is. 
and how much money it's for. So to me, I mean, obviously the concern is he's had two very significant injuries in his career. And other than that, he's been pretty healthy, but two knee injuries in his career that knocked him out for a full year. He's now 29 years old. So getting up on, you know, the age where you start to see athleticism regress and fade a little bit. Um, He's obviously still an elite, great player, but at his age and with his physique, you know, being a smaller guy, we're going to talk about Toots physiques on the podcast. (laughs) I I appreciate that you understood where I was going with that. Of course. As always, our, our sunny references are off the hook. Everyone knows that. With his physique, I would be a little bit worried about committing huge money to him at this age. And I could see a situation where the Chiefs would be better off letting him walk. Now, that being said, he's obviously a great player. He means a lot to the defense. And I do think with the cap going up, there are situations, if the Chiefs were to say trade for Julio Jones, that extending him frees up some money to do some other things in the short term. And in the long term, you'll figure it out. I think the Chiefs have been really good under Brett Veach and with Brant Tillis running the show as our kick-ass accountant, that the Chiefs have been really good about not locking themselves into deals that are going to have years-long impacts on the cap. I mean, the Chiefs just cleared the dead cap from Eric Berry's contract last year. Yeah, I think yeah. this will be the first year that they don't have Eric Berry dead cap money on the books, mm-hmm. and they cut him after the 2018 season. So we had two years of dead cap money, and he essentially didn't play, obviously, in 2018. Right. So the Chiefs have been a lot better about giving themselves outs where they at least are going to, you know, if they make a mistake, like like some people would characterize the Frank Clark deal as a mistake, they can get out of those deals without having, you know, dead cap money, significant dead cap money for five or six years on the books. And I think if the Chiefs wanted to front load this deal, they can't completely front load it if they wanted to do something else like bring in Julio. But if they wanted to concentrate that money in 2022, you know, expecting the cap to go up and maybe reduce his cap hit this year and in 2023, and they wanted to extend him like two years, essentially tack on two years to his current deal. So like a two-year extension, I think that would be perfect. I mean, you're, you're, you're done at age 31 regardless. I mean, I think that that would be a pretty safe deal. Yeah, I like it. I think that's, you know, they're going to play it smart. And if they feel that their team is going to be put in a better position by extending them, that's exactly what they're going to do. I've, I've grown so comfortable with them making these types of decisions that that's kind of, that's kind of how I feel on that one. It's a bit of a cop out, but I just feel, I feel like we've got the right guys in charge and that's very relaxing. Uh, Our next one is from bird of war and one of our favorite sunny tie-in handles, Jack Kelly at big hand lawyer. And he says, if you lost a bet and had to share a bed with any chiefs non player for a year, who would it be? It would be all three of you in one bed for a year. Dogs optional, but preferred. So I didn't see all three of you. And so I guess I'm in there too, buddy. (laughs) My answer was Gracie hunt because she is incredibly attractive and one of the hunt family members and is a chiefs non-player, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm cracking up that he said all three of you. That's hilarious. Yeah. All I'm three still of going Gracie, though, obviously. I mean, that's going to get a little awkward, I feel like. I'm, that's okay. I didn't, I didn't specifically answer this question because, obviously, 
it's hard to top your answer from a Chiefs non-player standpoint. Sure. But I think I would take Andy. No, I wasn't going to say Andy. <laughs> I, I was going to say one of the members of the Mahomes family that obviously we can't choose Patrick, but just no. to be, to soak that energy up, I would have chosen his mother, Randy. Randy. But, Randy. Randy. But I don't think that I want to bring that energy into my bedroom for a year. And those of you that know, you know yes, what I'm talking right. about. That's right. So probably like Jackson. <laughs> yeah, he'd love it. Little, yeah. Little dude sandwich. That'd be yeah, great. Little, little dude sandwich. He's pretty skinny and we could make TikToks. It would be fun. It would be a fun time. <laughs> um, let's see. We've got one here from <laughs> at SHD HHD 48 16 39 77. Oh no. Clyde made Justin Reed touch earth is his name. Is there any type of bird you won't defend in the court of law and why? Oh yeah. Hard pass on the geese. I'm not defending no goose. They are trash animals. They shit everywhere. They're incredibly aggressive. They're always out like snaking around, you know, bobbing their heads, coming after you. They're very dangerous. They're very aggressive. They bring a lot of negative energy and they they shit everywhere and they're very stupid. So basically the kind of animal that would find themselves in bird court all the time. They're sort of the, you know, habitual criminals of the bird world. But I would not defend a goose. I think that they are disgusting. Awesome. That is. Thank you for that question. Clyde made Justin Reed touch earth. Earth. Uh, our next one is from longtime listener and contributor and Bird of War James Partridge at Fun and James eighty five. Kaka. And he said two submissions. Two submissions. So I'll just uh, hit them both here. He said, "I think it's harder to hit an upright than actually make a field goal. If yes. a field goal attempt hits an upright, it should be worth one point. If the kick is good, four points total. What do you think?" So I had to think about his uh, his setup for a second. So the aim would be to bank it off the upright and through for four total points. If you get it through the middle without hitting an upright, I think that's still three. And off the upright, no good would be one. I think. I think that's yes. kind of how he laid it yes. out. Um, I agree that it's harder to hit something that's a foot wide than it is to hit something, uh, whatever, 30 feet wide or however far the crossbars are. So I've always been interested in kind of juicing up the kicking game and scoring a little bit. I was always in a favor of if you make it on a kickoff, it should be worth one, make it through the uprights. But um, he's right that hitting the uprights, you know, if you're intentionally trying to do it, that's obviously a much, much, much smaller target than the giant, width between the two posts so uh yeah let's give them extra points for being a little bit more accurate i'm sure guys like butker and justin tucker would be all over that type of move i mean butker has hit several uprights in his career so yeah well whether he was doing it on <laughs> well, or not, good point he he has done it um, man that chicago playoff game they would have won they had the double yeah, doink that would have right. been a five pointer oh that's except right. it fell out but it would have well, been a two-pointer, and they it still would have won. Two, if you hit both the uprights, then, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a double doinker. Yeah, I think they were down one point in that <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. So they would have won by one. Hmm. Yep, yep. Well, Matt Nagy would be in support of that rule. I don't know about <laughs> it. I don't know about it for me, but. He would. That's funny. And then James' second question was, what is your opinion of Dwayne Bow? Was he a bust, good but unharnished potential? Uh, was he a victim of coaches or quarterbacks around him? And what would the Chiefs be like with Mahomes was throwing to Bow today? Huge, huge Dwayne Bow fan from my perspective. I think he was a good NFL wide receiver. He had stretches of greatness. He was 
definitely a victim of some circumstances as most chiefs that had any amount of talent were in the Matt Castle, Todd Haley, Dwayne Bow era. Yeah. Um, but in general, I mean, he was a solid player and he should be proud of his NFL career. He had, you know, the bow show was real. He, he would break away from tacklers and take it to the house and he could jump. And I mean, he really, you know, he's not going to go down people outside of Kansas city probably aren't ever going to remember Dwayne bow in five, 10 years, but like, he was a good player. I liked him a lot. And if he was on the chiefs, I feel like, you know, Sammy Watkins would be kind of when he was healthy and, and good and, you know, playoff Sammy and that Jacksonville game and stuff like that was the type of ceiling that Bo had for sure, where he could just dominate. But um, obviously Mahomes and the line and Kelsey and Hill would be a much better situation for Bo than freaking all the idiots that he played with and all the non-targets. Matt Castle. Yeah. And the year of not, you know, Donnie Avery was his best wide receiver next to him. And like, I mean, he just, he, he got a raw end of the deal and uh, I think he was a good player. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he was a good player. I mean, we're talking about the, probably the second best wide receiver that the chiefs have drafted. Maybe. I mean, certainly in the last 15, 20 years sure. behind Tyree kill. Sure. I, and that says a lot about the chiefs <laughs> Who else drafting drafted? wide receivers. We, we haven't drafted a lot of guys that are very good. I mean, he's definitely the kind of, receiver that you don't see as much of in the NFL anymore. I mean, like a bigger guy yep. that's going to win more at the catch point and, you know, contested catches physical kind of receiver that the NFL is kind of moving away from, but also a guy that, I mean, if he was on the current chiefs roster would definitely would fill a, a niche, you know, they, they haven't had a, a bigger bodied guy that can just box people out and win contested catches really for a while. I mean, Mahomes has never really had a player quite like that. No. Um, I mean, really the closest they've had is probably like, I don't know, Demarcus Robinson. I mean, I, I mean maybe I, Sammy, but like Sammy occasionally, um, you know, uh, D- Demetrius Harris. Yeah. Right. You know? I, right. I mean, yeah, he was a good player. Um, I remember his uh, 10 years of chief fondly. So, you know, uh, we've got one from Jaja Ding Dong at Jackson <laughs> underscore Chiefs. Got an extra J in there. J Jackson underscore Chiefs. Name the most overhyped rookie from this year's class. So I, it wasn't clear whether he intended this for this to be limited just to Chiefs or to the entire NFL. But I just decided to come up with both. I've been very into rookies this year, as you know, because yeah. I have a lot of picks in our dynasty draft, which we're doing on Saturday. Very excited about that. Four picks five picks in the first two rounds, two picks inside the top five. I've done my homework on this class. The most overhyped rookie in this class generally is definitely Giants wide receiver Kadarius Toney. They took him in the first round. He's basically a gadget player. I mean, he seems very similar in a lot of respects to McCole Hardman, but taken with like the 20th overall pick. Now he's a better player than McCole Hardman. He definitely has much better change of direction, more burst, but as a receiver, he doesn't really offer you very much. He's, he's very much a gimmicky kind of player. And I feel like it's almost, he kind of owes a little bit to Tyree kill in that, you know, people now are looking at a guy with that kind of skill set that doesn't actually know how to play receiver. And they're like, Oh, well, I mean, you know, Tyree kill was awesome. And yeah, they taught him how to play receiver. So like we can draft this guy in the first round. It's fine. I think he's very overhyped and, it's going to be tough because I mean, specifically for you fantasy players out there, his offensive coordinator is Jason Garrett and his quarterback is Daniel Jones. So I just don't see a lot of creativity there for chiefs rookies specifically. 
this is tough because of course I don't want to dump on any chiefs players. I'm going to go with our wide receiver that we took in the fifth round Cornell Powell. And here's why it's partly an age thing. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a, a fifth year senior. He's going to be, I think 24 in the middle of the season and he's a rookie which is never great. You never like to see, I mean, you like to see guys, ideally guys that are dominating, you know, 23 year olds when they're 19 or 20 years old, Penny yeah. Sewell and guys like that, Jamar Chase. He's not that guy. I think he'll be good, but I think people that are expecting him as a fifth round rookie wide receiver to step in right away into this offense and like take over the number two wide receiver role. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think there's a possibility that he gets some significant playing time, Later in the year, I think he'll definitely be a big contributor on special teams. But I think the hype of I'm going to be really curious to see where he goes in our draft this weekend, because obviously we've got a lot of Chiefs fans in there. I suspect that he will be taken in the first two and a half, three rounds of the draft. Top yeah, 36 probably so. picks. Probably so. And I, I personally would not take him there. But I, I think um, I think he'll be a good player. I just think you know, you got to really temper your expectations when you're talking about a fifth round rookie wide receiver. Follow-up question to Jaja Ding Dong's question. Who do you think what rookie in the NFL has the most hype? Is it Trevor Lawrence or is it Kyle Pitts? I think overhyped, uh, just, just total hype. Are we talking about from a fantasy perspective or from just like a no, football? No, just a football perspective. Like oh, of, I, of all the hype that I've heard from Kyle Pitts, I think he has more hype going into his rookie year than Trevor Lawrence does. I agree. And I actually think that Trevor Lawrence doesn't have that much hype. I think that people are just like Trevor Lawrence has been sure. a part of our lives for so long. Yeah. We've basically known that he was going to be the first overall pick since his true freshman year when he won the national championship. Uh-huh. I actually think comparatively speaking, there's like almost no hype around Trevor Lawrence. Like we just like, we knew that he was going to be the number one pick years ago. Yeah. And he was, and you know, he hasn't lost a regular season game in his entire life, which is wild. Like I, he just yeah. is so good as a prospect and so complete as a prospect that like, they're just, there hasn't been that much hype for it. The Kyle Pitts hype is getting <laughs> pretty wild. It's getting pretty Steamy. out of control. Yeah. I've got a, another dynasty league, which is tight end premium and I'm picking fourth. It's also super flex. So if the first three guys take quarterbacks, it's going to be really hard for me to say no to Kyle Pitts. I don't know. We'll see. He, I he definitely like think he's, he's, he's off. His hype train's out of control. Yep. Uh, so we've got a little four-pack special from our MVP of the Oof. mailbag. We love <laughs> our guy, Jordan Scarron at MRJ1128. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to start out. Jordan's first question was, screw, kill, or marry Artemis, the waitress, and the girl Mac dances with when he comes out to his dad. Deep so I, It was. I thought this was a pretty easy one. The girl that Mac danced with was extremely attractive and uh, – I feel like Artemis, the only answer there is kill. And <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd bang one out with the waitress, you know, she's cute. And, and one star though, one star. That's right. Not, not, not super good. great, but you know, I want to see what the, what the one star was about. want to see really how she, uh, how she failed. And then I'd marry Max dancing partner. I thought she was great. Okay. All right. That's uh that's an acceptable answer. I, I will. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, second question from Jordan. I've heard rumors of Gurley to the Chiefs after June 1st. Yay or nay? Odd man out in the running back room. He did visit the Lions today, which <laughs> is a DeAndre Swift dynasty owner and also Jamal Williams dynasty owner. Right. It was very vexing to me because they don't need any more running backs. Stop signing running backs. You don't need any more. 
You took Jamar Jefferson in the draft and you signed a UDFA running back. And now you want to bring in Todd Gurley. It doesn't make any sense. Stop a, doing that. As a guy who owns four San Francisco running backs, weep, Austin, weep. Yeah, right. Well, you know, you needed that because one of them got hurt. So now <laughs> you've got the other three. Yeah. So we'll see if he signs there. I hope that he doesn't from my own fantasy perspective. But I I don't know. I wouldn't be opposed to it on a minimum deal. I think he's probably pretty washed. He was like losing steps to Ito Smith and Brian Hill last year. Yep. And Ito Smith, who I also briefly owned on my dynasty team, uh, got cut by the Falcons after the season. I don't think he's signed anywhere. I think he's still a street free agent. He was taking snaps away from Todd Gurley. You know, Brian Hill was taking snaps away from Todd Gurley. And Brian Hill's been supplanted by Mike Davis, who was CMC's backup in Carolina. Like, it, the point is, he was not good last year, and no. he really hasn't been the same since the injury. He's still pretty young. I guess I wouldn't mind it on a veteran minimum deal and see if he can kind of compete. You know, maybe he squeezes out Darren Thompson, but I mean, they're not probably going to carry four running backs, and then you'd have to get rid of McKinnon or, I mean, Daryl Williams is probably pretty safe. Obviously, Clyde's going to make the team. So you're probably looking at like Gurley or Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. Jarek McKinnon's older. He's got some health issues as well. I don't know. I don't know who's a better player at this point in their careers. I think McKinnon's probably a little bit better cap pass catcher. I don't know. Probably a pass. Well, and also let's point out that the rumor was a ESPN article that predicted where players would sign after oh, June good. 1st. And they just said, oh, I bet Todd Gurley signs with the Chiefs. There's no there's no smoke. He hasn't visited. That was dumb ESPN doing dumb ESPN stuff. So just so we're all on the same page there. Mm-hmm. Jordan's third question was if you had to kill off a member of the gang and always sunny in the upcoming season, like completely write them out of the show. Who is it and why, and how do you kill them? So, I mean, tragic. The the gang has five of the pillars of our comedy life. I mean, they are, they're all great. Um, And between Mac and Dennis and Charlie and Dee and Frank, I feel like the obvious choice as far as the dynamic of the show and a plausible death would be Frank. Um, they started the show without him for the first season before he joined. So they already, they could move forward without him. I love Frank to death and it would be a big loss for the show. Um, but I think that the dynamic of the show would be the least changed with his death. And he would definitely die in like a, the dirtiest, filthiest banging whores under the bridge fiasco that anyone's ever like the most undignified death of all time. However, you can die the least dignified. That's the way Frank would go out. Just throw me in the trash. Throw him in the trash. Exactly right. Final question from Jordan. Another sunny reference. Have you ever put your genitals or your butthole near a pool drain? I can't say that I have to a drain. Those jets, though, <laughs> those jets are spicy. They're nice. That's right. Uh, the next one we've got was from our guy, Mikey Mike at Mike57X. Kaka! Member of the Bird of War. He said, what are your predictions for the receivers by the season's end? Tyreek is a lock for the number one, but where do the rest fall into place by the end of the year? Um, so I have them as Julio one, Tyreek two, <laughs> Travis three. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a good question. Um, I think that Obviously, that depends greatly on if the Chiefs make another move on offense. If they don't and they stick with their current group, I kind of feel like McCool Hardman's going to get injured. I, I just feel mm-hmm. like he ha- he's not going to live up and be t- and be wide receiver too. But I don't think he's going to like not get targets. I think he's just going to kind of tweak something and then lose a spot on the depth chart to Pringle and Powell and just kind of fall out of graces. So 
I've got, I think that's probably the most significant thing there. I've got Tyreek and Travis leading the way as always. And that's just more rankings. Uh, I mean, prediction wise, really with 17 regular season games, all the numbers are up for grabs, all of the records, all of the touchdown numbers and yard numbers with an extra game in there. Um, and with the Chiefs being pissed off after having just lost the Super Bowl, I mean, it goes along with the earlier question of could Mahomes throw for 60, you know, 60 touchdowns, 6,000 yards? Sure he could. I mean, they these guys could all just destroy the NFL this year. Um, so that's kind of where my head was at with that one. Yeah, I like it. And we actually got a second question from Mikey Mike. What is the highest price you would pay for Julio? Where do you think he plays in 2021? Well, you've already given this away with your answer, yeah. calling him the number one wide receiver on the Chiefs, which right. is obviously ludicrous. It would be Tyreek Hill. Right. Julio would be a very solid number two wide receiver. Um, I think I've come around to the point where if the Chiefs are comfortable with the cap situation, and I think they could get there, but I'd leave that up to the professionals. If they were comfortable with the cap situation, and if they think that he's going to – be you know 80 or 90 percent of what he was two years ago when he was healthy i would be willing to give up a first round pick if the chiefs got some lower round picks in return the thing that bothers me about the chiefs continually trading out of the first round is that first round picks you get a fifth year option out of them you usually are going to get a pretty good player not always at the end of the first round i mean it does get to be a pretty big crapshoot at the end of the first round you know you're picking in the top five you're probably going to get a pretty good player you know often are going to get a superstar player when you're picking 32nd you know that math changes pretty significantly i think the the numbers suggest that you know you're the value of that pick is less than half of your pick in the top five your success rate is is dramatically less i would be willing to give up the 32nd pick in 2022 if they were going to give us back like a fourth I don't know. could be fun. Um, I think we could do something like we did with the Ravens with the Orlando Brown Jr. where, you know, we're essentially giving up a first, but we're getting back, you know, a second or we're getting back, you know, some additional picks. So, uh, and, and you already kind of talked about it. As long mm-hmm. as the Chiefs, as long as the Falcons can say, hey, well, we got a first round pick back. I mean, you know, if they're sending us a third round pick back, that's fine. That, that doesn't need to be a part of the headline. It says we traded Julio for first round pick. You know, yep. yeah, I like it. I think um, I think Brett's got to make it happen or at least. And, you know, it's frustrating that there have been a lot of teams linked to Julio so far and the Chiefs haven't been one of them. But as you famously said multiple times, that's when Brett's at his best. That's, that's when right. he's that's when he strikes is when honestly, no every other team smoke. should be extremely concerned that we haven't yes. been linked to him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I because it. that's when Brett Beach is at his most dangerous. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, we've got two from Alberta War, Parker Paget at Parker Paget. And he said uh, he's actually got a good one. That must be related to the question. You're about to get into a brawl with the 2021 Chiefs draft class, but you can pick one of them to fight on your side. Who do you pick and why? So the first thing you got to do when you're fighting multiple grown men is look for size and, and weight, you know, strength. And Trey Smith is the easy choice. He is 6'6", 330. So yeah, I mean, in terms of body mass alone, body mass alone, this is what I wanted to avoid is a conversation about body mass, but he is, he's both, you know, he's the tallest and the heaviest draft pick that the chiefs picked up. You'd need size to fight off. I mean, especially I feel like Creed and Kando 
would be the main guys that would cause a lot of problems. Um, I'd try and take Powell one-on-one. He'd destroy me, but at least that would be, I'd tell Trey Smith to make him feel better. Look, I've got Powell. You take the other five guys on and uh, I'd let Trey Smith handle the monsters. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is dicey math. If you're fighting two <laughs> on six or whatever, yeah, five, with, I think, yeah. with one ally, uh, that's dicey math, but Trey Smith definitely is the right choice there. I think that's, that's the obvious way to go with that one. We've got one from lifelong Battlehawks fan at DP Owens S Jared DP Owens J. Why is the loss of Jordan Tayamu going to destine us to mediocrity again? Uh, Yet our friend here is, as it says in his handle, lifelong St. Louis St. Louis Battlehawks fan. Right, big fan of Jordan Tayamu, as I was as well. He he uh, he was uh, a star in our short-lived fantasy XFL league. I would love to see Jordan Tayamu return in the reboot of the XFL that The Rock is cooking up. Uh, but if you love something, you got to set it free, and uh, that's what we had to do with Jordan Tayamu. Mm, I missed the guy already. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I forgot to clean up the second question Parker Paget asked, which was oh, ranked yeah. the rank fast food chicken sandwiches. If you haven't oh, already, sure. I love that he assumes that we've already done that because that is exactly our It's MO. something that we would do for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, I, you know, I really like Chick-fil-A a lot and feel that every time I get it, it was a good decision. Um, I, recently, I've been into the Sonic chicken sandwiches. I think I've not had the Sonic chicken sandwiches. I think they do a good job. They're very, they're good quality uh, bread, good quality meat. I've, I've been a fan. Uh, you know, everyone's hype machine on chicken sandwiches is Popeyes. I oh, actually, so every time I've attempted it, it's been so busy that I haven't, I haven't gone through it. Oh, I've, yeah, I've yeah. even like made a trip to Popeyes and like the line was around the corner. And, and this was after, this was months after the whole um, spicy chicken sandwich ordeal where tell you something were, about the sandwich yeah it's excellent exactly and i know it's going to be good i just was saying that i do not have personal experience with it yet i would love to have it someday um i go to those i i call them like the specialty chicken shops like uh raising canes and slim chicken that do like the tenders and they're, they're all chicken um and i really really like those places a lot and most of the time i'm getting a chicken sandwich there really i'm a fat ass i love fried chicken i love oh, i love all that you know, I don't really have one where I eat it and I'm like, man, this was a mistake. Like most of the time, if I'm getting a fried chicken sandwich at a fast food chain, I'm loving it. I like that. I've not had the Sonic one. I obviously love Chick-fil-A. I feel like Chick-fil-A is, you know, pretty high ceiling, yep. high floor. Yep. This Popeye's chicken sandwich, I got to say, in terms of ceiling, mm-hmm. it's probably at the tippy top. Mm. I will say the floor is a little bit lower because the level of professionalism that you get in a Popeye's chicken <laughs> is a little bit lower. It's a little well, bit lower than the level Especially compared of, to Chick-fil-A. Especially compared to Chick-fil-A, which, as everyone knows, is the most professionally run fast food organization in the country, nay, yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually recently went to a Raisin Cane's. There's one in Fort Collins, and the line is always literally into the street, which is very annoying. Yep. But I went there because I had not been in a long time and I wanted to, you know, like reacquaint myself with the hype. Didn't like it. It was fine. It was okay. It was okay. But I got attendees and it was just, it was not, it did not live up to the hype. I went at literally like 1045 in the morning to beat the rush. Uh, but no, it, it was okay. Uh, I, I would I would definitely take a lot of other sandwiches or, or chicken tendies over Raisin Cane's. But they're all good choices. I'm glad that the chicken wars exist. They are, 
they're a, a benefit to my life. Nice. We've got one here from PKS, Polish cheese fan. <laughs> that was good. Nice little synchronization on that one. Mm-hmm. Is the current combination of head coach, quarterback, wide receiver one, tight end one, the best we'll have in the Mahomes era? Will we see a decline because the next group of guys just can't be on the same level? Thank you for the question, PKS. We love you. Appreciate you, you buddy. I mean, a really nice DM the other day. Really great guy. Great guy, for sure. PKS. And like the spearhead of our, our global outreach program. <laughs> Uh, in Poland. So that's great. Uh, will we see a decline? Not necessarily um, because other positions can definitely get better. I think you're going to be hard pressed to improve on Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes, because they're all literally like one of the greatest <laughs> at their position, be it head coach, quarterback, wide receiver, or tight end ever. That's that's it. Like they're they're it. Yeah. Yep. But I think that that as those guys age and decline, it's possible that you see production remain steady, especially as Mahomes gets better and smarter. Yes. Even though, you know, he's already at his physical peak. You know, I mean, maybe maybe he he peaks a little further physically. I don't know. He's still in his mid twenties. How many quarterbacks ever peaked at twenty five? I know, but I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying physically in terms of physical tools, but certainly mentally there's still some growing that he can do and he can improve. I I think the the best example of this though is, you know, like the offensive line could get a lot better. Uh, The offensive line this year has the potential to be much better than the chiefs have fielded in any year that Mahomes has been the starter. Now, obviously Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, when they were playing, at a high level. I mean, Mitch was one of the best right tackles in the league. Yep. Fisher was certainly was above average, you know, maybe a borderline top 10 left tackle yeah. at some points in his career. Yeah. But the interior offensive line has pretty much always been dog shit as long as Mahomes has been the starter. And this year it has the potential to be really, really good. I think the line as a whole has the potential to be really good. And I think, I mean, it's going to be an interesting look. I can't wait to see what it looks like because to be frank, it's been a long time since the Chiefs had a good offensive line that could be as good as this unit could be. Yeah. I think there's a potential for, you know, as other parts improve and that includes like the wide receiver too. you know, the guy that is behind Tyreek. Like if Tyreek takes a step back, but we, you know, let's say we draft a guy next year, or let's say we get Julio Jones. Mm. Could the overall offense improve? Yeah, it could. Sure. Yeah. And if, you know, maybe Clyde takes a step forward or two and gets more of like a Marshall Falk type of, you know, skill set. I mean, there's the the ceiling, as long as Andy Reid's dialing up plays, and he did mention coach in this, you know, he said head coach and quarterback and wide receiver and tight end. Andy's as good as they get, and especially at, at crafting the offense. And You know, it's going to be fun to see how they transition from this group to the next group to the next group under Mahomes. And, you know, Reed doesn't seem like he's going anywhere for a while. So it should be fun. I have all the confidence in the world that this team is going to be kicking ass for years to come. But that is enough football talk for now or just for that question, because I'm going on to a philosophical one that was posted us by Rumpel at DBC Rick. That is the first one that I remember reading from Rumpel. So appreciate you listening, man. Uh, This question is discuss the ship of Theseus thought experiment. So this is a great debate that has has been going on since uh, philosophy basically started. And the idea of the ship of Theseus is that it was a ship that was replaced plank by plank as the planks of the ship rotted, a wooden ship. 
And the question was, eventually, if you replace every piece of the wood one by one, is the new thing, is that still the ship of Theseus? Or is it something new? And then it kind of morphs on to, well, if you take all the planks that you removed from the original ship of Theseus and you build a new wooden ship out of them, is that the ship of Theseus? Which one or both or neither are it? And this kind of came to the forefront in WandaVision where Vision was... Spoilers. Uh, correct. Vision is talking to a version of Vision that was built from from Vision parts. And they're, they're talking about, well, are you Vision? Am I Vision? Are we both Vision? And so that's kind of probably why I would imagine Ship of Theseus was on Rumpel's mind. Um, I, you know, I think about this a lot with human cells and, you know, we're, we're said to replace every cell in our body gradually every seven years. So seven years ago, every single cell in your body was a different physical cell than the one that's in there today. Obviously we still think of ourselves as ourselves from seven years ago, even though we're entirely new parts. So in that context, the ship of Theseus would say that, yes, the new one is still the same as the old one. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think back to like who I was as a person like 10 years ago. And I'm like, man, I kind of do feel like like a different being, like a different person. Sure. So, I mean, it's obviously that's the reason that it's been debated for so long. It's a great question. No one really has an answer, but that's mine. Uh, as a college philosophy major, I can tell you that this is something that quite uh, fascinated and titillated me when I was 21, 22 years old. As a practicing attorney and <laughs> practical person living in the world that did not go into academia, I could not summon a lot of energy to re-research this issue, kind of go back to my college philosophy days and kind of dive into this. Um, but I think you did a great job with it. So Good, good work covering that question for me. Thank you, sir. Uh, we've got one from Michael Arnett at Mike One Chiefs fan. If uh, I making... believe Mikey's a bird of war. I want to say so. We're going to give him a caca, caca. If you were making a spinoff show from Always Sunny, what would it be about, and what would it be called? And then a follow-up question of that: What will this or will this year's offense be better than Pat's MVP year? I think it will be with the new O line. Pat has 54 TDs and 5100 yards. So the spinoff, I think this one's easy. There's already an episode that kind of tees it up. It's called Dennis's Double Life. A sure. strange episode yeah. that sort of was written into the show when it wasn't sure, it wasn't clear whether uh, whether Glenn Howerton. Uh, Dennis's actor that portrayed him would would maybe continue with the show. There was a rumor for a while that he maybe wanted to leave and pursue some other opportunities. And so there was an episode uh, at the end of the season that, you know, sort of explored Dennis in his double life, you know, using these other identities, Brian Lefebvre to sleep <laughs> with various women. I think that show would, I mean, the, the premise is it already exists. It basically writes itself a, uh, Glenn Howerton did get his own show, uh, AP Bio, where, you know, he essentially played a very similar character to Dennis and and demonstrated that he could he could be a leading man in his own right. And that that character, you know, the Dennis character could essentially carry a show. So I think that would be a good one. You could call it literally Dennis's double life. I think a spinoff around Charlie, where it just sort of follows Charlie's Mm day-to-day life and adventures when he's not with the gang like that. when he's like when he's on his own uh sort of his internal monologues um like the episode charlie work which obviously is is a is a really good 
you know, it's, just a, it's a good think piece in the uh, in the Always Sunny canon. Um, that would be a fun one. Those those would both be good options. I, I mean, I think a Dennis show or a Charlie show, and really the Charlie show would be a Charlie and Frank show. So you know, I mean, <laughs> that would true. be that would be um, you get two for the price of one there. So I think I think those would both be good. Um, with respect to the offense, he asks, will this year's offense be better than Pat's MVP year? I think. I don't know. It kind of depends on what metrics you're talking about here. I don't yeah. think that the Chiefs are necessarily going to score more points per game. I don't know that they're necessarily going to pile up the touchdowns and yards at the same rate, but that's because the defense in 2018 was hilariously bad and it shouldn't ever be that hilariously bad. Again, as long as Steve Spagnuolo was the defensive coordinator or pretty much anybody that's on the current staff, like underneath Steve Spagnuolo, I have total confidence that any of those guys, you know, Brendan Daly, Matt House, whoever would be a better defensive coordinator than Bob Sutton was. Yep. So I don't know that they'll ever necessarily reach those same peaks. I mean, I think that was the fifth highest scoring offense in NFL history, but I do think that it's possible that they get there. I think they need another wide receiver, another receiving option to kind of develop beyond what, what we already know or emerge in the form of Quintoris, Julio Jones coming to Kansas city via trade. That would be fun. Uh, I think it's possible. I think the offensive line needs to gel and that's something we'll talk about with respect to another mailbag question, but it could happen. I'm not going to predict it, but it could happen. I do. I agree with what you said that I don't think they're ever going to get those numbers that they had in 18, but if you lined up this year's offense and you put them up against a good defense and they had to score a touchdown to win the game and you compare it to the confidence level that you had in the 2018 offense, you know, the 2018 offense was great, but they had so many opportunities to score because they were always giving up plays on defense and they always had to push the envelope and stuff. But really at the end of the day, what you want is to be able to score in the big moments. And I don't think there's going to be any doubt that when the 2021 chiefs get the ball and they need to score, they're going to be able to. Uh, We've got one from that guy at Seton dad. I believe that's the first submission. Welcome to the show. Seton dad. Yeah. Thanks for submitting. Yes. And he said, have you ever recast the Marvel universe with current Kansas city players? So our, our guy, Zach, the layman's terms, who we will read it from in a minute, Kaka, he immediately jumped in the replies on that one. And was like, Oh, I, you got to get me in on this. So he DM'd me and we were, we were kind of talking about this one. And I just wanted to go through some of his castings because they are fantastic. So he had Iron Man and he, he does the connection. And then in parentheses, just names a couple attributes that they share with each other. So I thought that was a good way of doing it. He says, Iron Man is Veach has brains and money. Uh, I thought that was perfect. Captain America is Andy Reid. Strategy, moral compass, leader, perfect. Sure. Yeah, I get uh, it. Thor is Mahomes. He's got the the strength. He's got the yeah, throwing. Like he throws the hammer, you know, the royalty. And, I mean, it's perfect. Uh, yeah, the Hulk, looking down on, on mortals, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's he's an Asgardian. He's not just a person. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, the Hulk, he has is Orlando Brown. He's huge, big, mauler type of guy like that. Uh, for Hawkeye, he has it as Juan Thornhill, ball hunting, resiliency. Uh, Black Widow, he has McCole Hardman, useful in specific ways. I love <laughs> that. God, he, Zach just kills this. Uh, Doctor Strange, Steve Spagnuolo, smart, resourceful. Captain Marvel, Tyron Matthew, all-around powerhouse, like that. Uh, Black Panther, Tyreek Hill, strength, speed, agility, perfect. 
Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Spider-Man, Clyde, Agile, Sixth Sense, Sticky Hands. <laughs> Sticky Hands is hilarious. <laughs> uh, Star-Lord, Dirty Dan, Big Hits and Moral Compass. Gamora, Travis Kelsey, Beautiful, Dangerous. Ah, Zach, you're so good at this. <laughs> that's great. Uh, Drax, Frank Clark, Strong But Invisible. <laughs> uh, uh, rocket he's got as tommy townsend generally useful for hitting stuff long distances but can be repurposed and then groot chris jones strong long reach kind and that is perfect for groot and chris jones yeah that's great nebula joe tooney quick hands smart and finally this was maybe my favorite one mantis who if you remember was the girl in guardians of the galaxy that yeah put the, people to sleep yeah. ben neiman makes people fall asleep so nice. that was nice. that was his coup de gras there, Zach. Uh, appreciate that. I cracked up when you sent those to me through our DMs and just thought instead of me answering this question, I'm giving you the spotlight there. Appreciate you. Yeah, that was fantastic. We couldn't have done any better than that. No, we've got one. Speaking of of Marvel Universe from Star Lord at Chiefsburner. <laughs> nice. Discuss what a best case scenario and worst case scenario or best case season and worst case season looks like. For the Chiefs, minus a Mahomes injury, not putting that en- energy on the airwaves. Well, we appreciate that, Star-Lord, and thank you for the question. I think best-case scenario involves the offensive line getting right, right away, gelling right away, and turning into a dominant force, like, immediately. We talked about this before on the podcast. I'm not sure that that's going to happen because offensive line is generally a position group that requires a lot of reps together and a lot of chemistry together. And that was one of the things that the Chiefs really had pulling for them up until Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher got hurt, you know, in the 2020 season, they did have a lot of offensive line continuity kind of coming up to the 2020 season. And that helped them win the Super Bowl. I think if the offensive line gels right away and the Chiefs maybe find a second receiving option behind Tyreek Hill, whether that be somebody like Noah Gray even or Cornell Powell or McCall Hardman takes a step forward. I think the offense is the highest scoring offensive NFL history. I think on the defensive side of the ball, you have to see in a best case scenario, a rebound season from Frank Clark. And he puts together, you know, a good year, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay solidified by the linebacker position, get Ben Neiman off the field somehow. And you end up with a, a above average, averages defense, you know, 15th to 12th range, kind of where they were when they won the Super Bowl in 2019. And best case scenario, they go 20 and 0 and they win the Super Bowl and they're the first 20 and 0 team in NFL history. On the flip side, the worst case scenario, the the worst case season. I mean, I think you kind of just flip a lot of these things on their head. I, I the the question marks for me that could go either way, either making it a best case or a worst case scenario, minus injuries, obviously, uh, would be the offensive line instead of immediately becoming dominant, take some time to gel. Obviously the talent is there, but it could, you know, like in a worst case scenario, it could take yeah. a year. You know, they they might not uh, especially on the right side of the offensive line, you know, you maybe don't have, whether it's Lucas Yang or Mike Remmers, whoever it ends up being, Kyle Long playing right tackle, right guard, LDT, you know, maybe that doesn't immediately come together and the right side of the line isn't maybe quite as good. I think on defense, you know, either Kelsey or, or Hill on offense, you know, either of those guys getting hurt would obviously be a problem. Uh, no third option emerging 
behind those two guys, even if they both stay healthy, would be an, a, a problem. We saw that in the Super Bowl. Obviously, the offensive line was an issue as well. But when you could double both of those guys and then, you know, Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman can't get open and McCole Hardman can't track a ball in the air, and catch a ball. Please stop. Please stop. When he's wide open. Um, I think then on the defensive side, you know, like Frank Clark doesn't rebound. Frank Clark doesn't produce you know, the pass rush is probably going to be pretty invisible and <laughs> like Drax, it, like Drax, perfect, <laughs> perfect casting choice. So good. Yeah. Um, and if they can't generate a pass rush, you know, worst case scenario, I don't know that the secondary is deep enough and talented enough to be able to compensate for that. And I think worst case scenario, the chiefs still go like 12 and five, yeah, 13 and four for sure. And they win the division, but they're probably not getting the one seed in the worst case scenario situation. And I think, you know, when we're talking worst case, the thing is the chiefs are so good that even if these things happen, they're still going to win most of the time. Mm -hmm. And the only issue would be, you know, like if you get a situation like with the offensive line in the Super Bowl, where you're you're kind of playing out a worst case scenario for the Chiefs and pitting it against a team that is very good, yeah, and has the matchup problems that can create issues for the Chiefs, like Tampa's defensive line did in the Super Bowl. That's when you start to get into issues. I mean, we're talking about a team that goes twelve and five or 13 and four in the worst case scenario, barring catastrophic injuries and like loses a playoff game, probably in the AFC championship game. Cause they're probably still going to win the first playoff game. I mean, they're probably still going to win the first two playoff games that they play, <laughs> you know, as a, as a, as a division winner playing on wildcard weekend as a 12 and five team. I mean, that's the worst case scenario for me. Imagine five years ago saying that the worst case scenario was losing the AFC championship game. I know. I know. I, I mean, that's, it's, it's all it's we're blessed it's great that's where we are uh we're gonna give our guy Corey some love the artist chief at choreo four um cory asked us a couple questions i'm gonna start with uh what famous play from the past will we see andy reed incorporate into the super mm. bowl and uh so i thought you know some fun famous plays that weren't that long ago but that definitely stuck out in my mind and you had the exact same thought when we talked about this question I literally was, was typing into the google document yeah was the boise state trick plays from their uh bowl game win against oklahoma they started they needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion late to hit the touchdown they had a hook and ladder across the middle that was executed flawlessly and then on the two-point conversion they ran the statue of liberty quarterback holds the ball behind his back uh, running back grabs it sweeps and scores a touchdown it was absolute perfection and you would have to kind of to really shout out those plays you would have to run them back to back in my opinion they wouldn't just be if they just run a hook and ladder no one's going to say that's the Boise State hook and ladder but if you run a hook and ladder for a score and then you cap it off with a two-point conversion of a Statue of Liberty there wouldn't be a football fan alive that wouldn't remember oh that's the two you know the two plays Boise State ran so I think that would be a really uh a fun little guy that Andy could do there. That would be, I would be ecstatic. That would be cool. But don't you think that if they ran the stat, the hook and ladder for a touchdown and then lined up for a two point conversion that every football coach <laughs> on the other team would be like, Watch wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Pat's going to, Pat's going to keep the ball and hide it behind his back and then run left. You know, <laughs> don't you think that's, that's pretty what, good. I mean, I would love to see that too. That was obviously the direction I was going with it as well. Uh -huh. Way back from the infancy of this podcast, we've talked about 
one of the next phases of NFL evolution being laterals and ball movement and changing the ball carrier down the field. And I think that I don't know how far away from that we are. NFL teams hate to do it because obviously if you screw it up, it's a fumble and you potentially lose, you know, the ball, you turn the ball over deep in enemy territory. NFL teams absolutely hate that. They're so risk averse. Yep. But I think if the, if the NFL goes that way, the chiefs will go that way too. you know, Andy Reid, whether he's the one to bring it to the NFL on a, a mass scale or not, he certainly would adapt his game to include it. And I think the chiefs have the kind of personnel where it could be really effective. So yeah. uh, one of the questions from Corey, he, he gave us three this week. So we appreciate that Corey. And then I'll let you close with the third. If the 1943 Steagles played the 1944 card pit, who wins and why? So for those of you who don't know, Corey um, has recently been putting this out on his Twitter and it is yeah. a fun story. We did talk about it last year during the pandemic. We did. Um, but during World War II, the NFL, obviously because of the the actual army draft, did not have a lot of players because a lot of them were fighting in the war, uh, did not have teams to be able to you know, field full NFL teams. And there were only 10 teams in the league back then. So you know, there were a lot of football players missing. They had to have teams combined. And so in 1943, the Eagles and the Steelers combined to make the Steagles. And in 1944, the Steelers combined with the then Chicago Cardinals play season. And all kinds of goofy stuff was happening. Uh, the, the, in baseball, the uh, the Nationals, or excuse me, the Senators had an all-knuckleballer rotation, I think, yeah. in 1945. Just yeah. weird stuff going on because, you know, all the able-bodied men were fighting in the war. This question has a right answer. Uh, there's a historical you know, record of how these teams did. And the Steagles in 43 Steelers Eagles team were five, four and one, and they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was good for That was like a middle, middle of the road team. They were above 500. Sure. The 44 Steednels <laughs> is what I'm going to call them. Were Owen 10. <laughs> okay. And one of those losses was by one score. It was a 30 to 28 loss in week one. So that was their closest loss of the year. Their next closest loss was by 14 points. So two touchdowns. Their third closest loss was by 15. So technically two scores, I guess, if you count the two point conversions in there, but those were the only losses by two scores. Every other loss was by at least three scores. So this probably isn't super surprising because the next year, the Steelers who were half of this team went two and eight. And they finished fifth out of five teams in the East mm-hmm. and the Cardinals went one and nine and they finished fifth out of five teams in the West. Oh. So you combine these two teams together the previous year, they were obviously extremely bad. Not only did they, not only were they the worst team in the league, they were worse than when they broke them out. Like when you put the Steelers back in Pittsburgh and the yeah. Cardinals back in Chicago, they at least each won a game, <laughs> which they couldn't do when they combined their powers in 1944. <laughs> so obviously the 43 Steagles would win. Uh, that team was obviously carried by the way, by the Eagles, because then the, the Steelers birds. split apart, go birds, the Steelers split apart and went 0 and 10 with the Cardinals. The Eagles in 44 became their own team again. And they went seven, one, and two, which is the third best, best record in the NFL. You know, they were the third best team out of ten teams. So clearly, they were carrying the Steelers. Steelers so, all the way. 
and so in the Steagles locker room, they, the Eagles players were probably like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. Like exactly. talking to the Steelers players, like, have you guys not been coached how to play football? Right. We're carrying all the, we're doing all the heavy lifting and you guys are out there with your thumbs up your asses. Like I can 100%. see that. Yeah, that's, that's and then great. It probably as a result of that, they were like, we don't care if we only have 25 guys on the roster. We're not playing with the Steelers next year. <laughs> right. Like the, the Steagles right. are done. If we have to go fill out the roster with a bunch of idiots. Yeah. They're like 15 or 50 years old. They're we'll going to do, do the invincible thing and go hire off guys from yeah. the street. Marky Mark. Yeah. He's going to play for the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> um, Corey's last question is you can add one former chiefs player to the current roster and one former NFL player from any team. Who are you picking and why? This was heavily discussed on our Discord server. This is our chance to plug that. So if you would like to talk football with us, we chat about football um, quite a bit on our Discord server. Just shoot me a DM on Twitter and I'll get you the invite there. Uh, Corey's an active member on there, so we appreciate you uh, keeping up with us on, on Discord, Corey. And as we talked about on the Discord server, if you're going to pick a guy from the chiefs and a guy from the NFL to add to this team, you know, there are obviously a lot of names come to mind. Um, one of the all time great chiefs that I think would add a lot of juice to this team would be Derek Thomas. And obviously, obviously one of the top three linebackers of all time, if not higher. And, you know, the team needs a pass rush. He is in a group of being, you know, one of the best at his position of all time. And that's really who you want to look for for something like that. And then if you can pluck a guy from any NFL roster of all time, if I can't have Julio, I could just pick prime Julio Jones here and just say, I'm just going to force the trade, but I'm going to go better than prime Julio Jones. And I'm going to go prime Randy Moss. I Mm. think that, you know, the downfield threat there with Tyreek and Travis and Pat, I mean, it would be, be, exactly. It, It would be what I'm imagining Julio would do to this offense times 10. I mean, Randy was the goat and amazing and very, very, very good. So uh, that's my pick is Derek Thomas and Randy Moss. There were some people that kind of wanted to throw Tony Gonzalez into the mix or, uh, you know, maybe like a Jamal Charles, something like that. I mean, obviously the chiefs have had a lot of really fun players. Um, And then there were some arguments to be made to have Jerry Rice instead of Randy Moss. I'll listen to that argument all day because Jerry was great. Uh, And I called Randy the goat. Jerry's the goat, but Randy, was probably physically the type of guy that I would want on this offense. I also think you could make an argument for Julio over either of those guys. And sure, the argument sure. comes with, we've talked before, this is not an idea that's unique to this podcast. I don't remember who I first heard make this comparison, but when you're building a wide receiver room, you kind of want it to be like a basketball team, right? Like yep. you don't want five point guards. Yep. You want guys that have different skill sets so that you can do different things with them on the field. Like you can't just have, I mean, five Tyree kills on the field would be, would be insane. That would, yeah. that yeah. would work. That would work. I'm sure we could work with five Randy Mosses as well, uh-huh. but there, but there aren't five of those guys in no. the world there. There's not five of those guys ever in the history of the NFL. I think you could make an argument for Julio just because he is sort of like, I mean, you know, Randy Moss is like, I don't know. He's like a shack, right? Like he's a, physically dominant like just an overwhelmingly physically dominant player mm-hmm. but julio is like a lebron or mm-hmm. a michael jordan type of guy where also also like a top 10 player ever at the position but like he can really do anything he's more yep. of like your power forward 
you know, shooting guard kind of guy, like kind of in that hybrid mold that can do anything on the field. Like he's a deep threat. He can beat you short. He can beat you at every level of the field. Whereas Randy Moss, I mean, obviously all time, great receiver, great deep threat, but you know, maybe not quite as versatile. So I think you can make an argument for Julio, but yeah. I think Derek Thomas is a, is a great and obvious choice as far as the chiefs go. Um, we've got one here from uncle Chewy at uncle Chewy underscore feelings on Tyreek TikTok. <laughs> for those of you who did not see it. Uh, Tyreek Hill did a TikTok video uh, the other day where he sort of joke slapped a woman in the face and it was dumb. That's my thoughts on it. It was stupid. And regardless of what you think about his past history, you know, how much of that happened or didn't happen, whatever it is, the point is he pled guilty to now it's no longer on his record. It's been expunged because he did everything he was supposed to do on his, you know, deferred sentence. But the fact is he pled guilty to a felony domestic assault and everyone in the NFL that follows the NFL knows that that happened. And it's a very much a part of who Tyree kill is and his past. And it was extremely bad optics and it was not funny. And it showed extremely poor judgment. It was dumb. It was, yeah, dumb. It was tone deaf. I mean, he, he has to know what his, what his reputation is, even if it's yeah. not a confirmed reputation, it's just, it's something that gives fuel to the fire that he is an abuser. And I, I just can't believe, I can't imagine what was going through his head when he thought it would be a funny idea to post that. Um, but it was dumb as fuck. And yeah. It's really stupid. We will leave it at that. Uh, next question we've got is from voodoo at voodoo, the great. And I believe that's a first timer. So Thanks for submitting Voodoo. Yeah, he interacts with me on Twitter quite a bit. So we appreciate nice. the question, man. And thanks for listening to the podcast. If Jones is explosive and fast enough getting around the edge since he's coming in slimmer, could he play 70%-ish of the snaps on the edge and be the key to the defense becoming a top 10 unit, especially with all the other bodies they could throw at defensive tackle on third down? So, I mean, so we, we've talked about this, but more in the secondary than on the line. But Spags is a is an unpredictability guy, and he's a versatility guy. And if you don't know where Jones is going to line up, that's only an advantage for the Chiefs defense. And I don't think 70% is very realistic for a guy that is the second best defensive tackle in football behind Aaron Donald. I don't think they're going to really – he still makes his bread and butter in the middle of the defense. But that being said – if they can free him up and if he can scoot outside and if he can get a power rush on an unsuspecting right tackle, that's been going up against Frank Clark all day. And then he gets Chris Jones coming at him. I mean, it's, it's something that um, I think is a, is another tool in the tool belt for Spags to call. And that could only help the defense. And, and I think that, you know, becoming a top 10 unit, I don't think this defense is very far away from being a top 10 unit the way it's currently constructed, even without any gimmicks. I mean, they, they've got solid, solid uh, talent up and down the roster on defense. So um, yeah, I think the long and short answer there is Chris Jones splitting outside only helps. I don't think it'll be as often as being over half the time, but I do think that it will be, it will cause havoc when it does happen. Yeah. I mean, we've seen him play as an edge rusher sparingly before, and he's not ever been, necessarily great at it but the last year was the first year that they really kind of tried it out and obviously he didn't have he wasn't with the team 
while he was working on his contract, like that didn't get worked out until July. And obviously the team wasn't meeting physically until camp. So, you know, he wouldn't have gotten a whole lot of practice reps doing that. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, Chris Jones's biggest asset is as an interior pass rusher, especially on third down when it's an obvious passing down situation where he's just an absolute force on par with, you know, Aaron Donald is among the best interior pass rushers in the NFL. But if you can occasionally kick him outside on first and second down and, you know, get some reps from him there, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It could, could be interesting. Um, we've got one here from Z-Man, and then we'll close it out with Zach, the layman's terms, at Josh underscore Lystra. According to Over the Cap, Frank Clark can be traded post-June 1, coming up next week, and save $19 million. What's the least you accept for Clark in relation to value on the field? So this is kind of a tricky question because we're sitting here at the end of May, and if you traded Frank Clark next week, post-June 1, you would get substantial salary cap relief going forward, and you could dump some of that salary cap savings. Essentially, you could kind of roll that over a little bit. The problem with trading him like next week is that while his on-field production does not match his salary, he's still like the only established edge rusher that the team has right now. And if you got rid of him, you would still need an edge rusher and you're not going to be able to trade him for an edge rusher. That's less expensive and better than him because (laughs) that would be a dumb trade. Nobody would do that. (laughs) Well, who do the Texans have? Yeah, that's, that's fair. (laughs) Hey, give us your pass rusher. That's older and more expensive and worse. And we'll take (laughs) Clark. that that's obviously not going to happen. If you could get like a mid round pick, like a third or a fourth round pick for him, plus the salary cap relief, that would make some sense, except that you are making the team worse in 2021, regardless of, you know, how Frank, even if Frank Clark performs just like he did last year, which wasn't anything to write home about, you're still making the team worse. Like you, you have to find a way to replace that production. Now, I guess you could make an argument for dumping Frank Clark, getting a little bit more salary cap money and just going out and signing like four veteran pass rushers. Yeah. Still hanging out. Melvin Ingram's still out there. Justin Houston is still out there. Um, the former Brown, gosh, what is his name? Uh, Olivier Vernon is still out there. Yeah. You've got some guys that are still on the market. Uh, Daniil Hunter in Minnesota is maybe available via trade. There are some guys you maybe could go get, but it's getting pretty late in the off season to replace the best edge rusher on your team. So that being said, if somebody said like, we'll give you a first round pick for Frank Clark, then I mean, I I do it, even though it makes the team worse in 2021, just because uh, obviously that would be great value at this point for what Frank Clark represents. Um, I, that's not going to happen. Nobody, nobody would give up a first or second round pick for Frank Clark. No one's going to overtrade for him. Unfortunately. Um, I do think that unless they had a massive plan for the cap savings, like Julio, something that, you know, would really, really push the team in another direction. They they don't need the cap room. They don't need to to trade Frank because they're not up against it. Like, you know, the Falcons, the reason they're trading Julio is because they can't sign their draft picks because they've got a million dollars and they haven't signed their draft picks. So like, you know, if if the chiefs were that cash strapped, they're, they're all hands on deck. They'd trade anybody, whatever, but like, they're not, they're not, up against it they have plenty of money they can make some more money they would much rather extend tyron matthew than they would cut frank clark or trade him or whatever so i mean yeah i don't think uh this year that makes a lot of sense it doesn't but 
you know, we'll see what happens next year with Frank yeah. Clark. I'm hoping he has a good season and that would be a good problem to have at that point. We'll close it out with this question from Zach, the layman Stan at the layman's terms. Kaka! Court has resumed. The defendant, Tom Brady, who stands accused of murder via Rogers slash Brooks slash Bryson memes, have at it. So I, I assume you watch a little bit of Phil Mickelson on Sunday. Yeah. You watch yep. any of that. So yep. I assume that you and I are in kind of the same camp. I, I mean, I watch some of it. I, I rarely watch golf. I watched the last day of the masters when tiger won it after his long layoff. I think I watched the masters that tiger won before he flipped out, turned out to be a serial <laughs> cheater and like broke a bunch of bones in his body the last time. And I watched the last day of the British open at Turnberry where Tom Watson was in it when he was 60 years old and he yeah. ended up losing in a playoff. Those are like the three times that I can remember watching golf. So I'm not going to pretend that I know the history of this golf rivalry between Bryson DeChambeau and uh, Brooks, Brooks Kepeka. Yeah. I, I'm not going to pretend to understand that. I've seen the little eye roll thing. <laughs> I get they don't like each other. It's funny because it's golf and like, it's such a civilized sport. It's, it's funny to have a little bit of heat there, but, when it comes to the courtroom aspect of it, I understand what's going on. Tom Brady is accused of murdering somebody with some fire memes. Okay, listen, if I'm defending him, this defense is very simple. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Brady killing someone with fire memes. This man is 44 years old, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't understand how to meme. No. Are you trying to tell me that a 44-year-old NFL quarterback – who doesn't eat fruit and eats avocado ice cream <laughs> and, you know, kisses his son <laughs> on the mouth is good at memeing. No, of course he's not good at memeing. This could not possibly have been Tom Brady committing this murder by meme. It was obviously an intern or whoever is paid to run a social media account. Okay. Tom Brady could not create memes. He could not possibly be the culprit here. But now, okay, I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to put on my prosecutor hat. I'm going to flip over to the other side, and I'm going to make the argument against Tom Brady. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen, the defense has told you that this could not be Tom Brady committing this murder by meme because he's a 44-year-old man and a fucking weirdo. And that's true. Tom Brady couldn't be good at memeing, but he could be good at golf memeing. Because he's 44 years old. Ladies and gentlemen, golf is the sport where a 50-year-old man, a 50-year-old man can win the biggest tournament in the sport. And so if there's one thing in the entire world that 44-year-old Tom Brady could be good at memeing, it would be the sport of golf. Case closed. Convict. <laughs>